Welcome to the Truth in This Art Beyond, and we are back in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I'm excited, jazzed even, to be in conversation with my next guest, a trumpeter, brass teacher, who is a very active performer in the greater Philadelphia area. He played at venues such as the Academy of Music, the Forest Theater, and the Kimmel Center. He has also performed in New York City at venues such as Carnegie Hall and the Lincoln Center. Please welcome Daniel Wright. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Welcome to Philly. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's that's, that's <laughs> It's like the welcome committee. <laughs> um, so you know, thank you for for making the time. Glad we we're able to do it. Um, this is this is like the nice culmination for a Friday where we're recording. This is this is great. Um, so before we get into like the main theme of today's proceedings, today's conversation. Um, and I'm going to you know, belabor this because I've been looking at a lot of introductions for jazz musicians recently. And some of the introducers, some of the people, the MCs, they got nothing. <laughs> I was like, can we just get to the music? Um, so before we get to the music, as it were, I want to give you the space to introduce yourself. And um, if you will, share one of your earlier music-related memories. Uh, let's see. Earliest memories were probably growing up uh, in the church. Mm. Um, I did a lot of church choir stuff, and my uncle was actually the head musician, and my aunt was the main soloist uh, singer. Uh, so that had always, that's always like kind of been the inspiration behind my sound. Um, I guess it's kind of evolved away from that as I don't necessarily go to church quite as much anymore, but it's definitely still like the basis of like, uh, you know, the sound that I try to put out and what I hear in my head when I'm thinking about music. So we're in Philly. You're Philly resident, like from Philly originally. Tell me about that. Uh, I grew up actually uh, in the Burbs, Bristol Township, PA, oh, yeah. uh, just about 15 miles up 95. Uh, but uh, I, I came down here a lot, specifically later on in like high school to get lessons and stuff. Uh, I spent a lot of time at UART, so I went to their, their summer camp, and Temple would have like high school jazz festivals and stuff, so I would come down here then. But I didn't move to Philly until about six years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, and I may have had an inter interview with someone from UARTS recently that uh, you, you, sh you should check out. You, okay. You might want to check out if you Fair have Do you uh, mind if I ask who it was? Um, Cheryl Oring. Who? Cheryl Oring. Uh, I have not met her, but I do, I do recognize the name. <laughs> it's a great conversation. Fair enough. Fair enough. That could go a lot of ways. All right. <laughs> so, so talk about like your beginnings in it, and like how did you tr choose like the trumpet as your musical instrument? Um, I mean, like for for those who don't have the visual component, I mean, you're like what six nine or something like that. Nah, I'm six four. I'm six four. Oh, okay, See? we're good. We're See? good. We're good. I don't have to be intimidated anymore. Yeah, what's going on, little guy? <laughs> so, 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 talk about sort of the beginnings in, in choosing like the trumpet and how how did that process start? So, funny enough, I actually wanted to play drums when I was little. Um, but my mom was not really having that kind of noise in the house. So what I did was I picked the next most annoying instrument possible, which is trumpet. <laughs> um, but no, I actually, I saw, I, re, I think it was Sesame Street. I saw Dizzy Gillespie uh, playing on there. So I was like really interested in, I actually found it very cool how his cheeks would like blow up when he was playing. Uh, it turns out later on that that's actually very very bad technique but 
it still is what got me started. So I'm thankful for it. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. Um, so. You know, choosing that as kind of second. <laughs> that's really funny. Actually. Second choice. Second it's choice. Like, eh, well, if I can't do the drums, I mean, what do you think? What do you think? What do you, what do you got? <laughs> I do wonder if she regrets it, but we'll see. <laughs> so, what was that moment when you know you you knew that? Because it's a lot of time, dedication, and energy that goes into a creative pursuit. And when I think of musicians, I. This is going to be ridiculous. I always think of Mo Better Blues, mm. and I think of yeah. sort of the cadence of working, practicing that sort of loop. So, you know, it's a very dedicated life to be a musician. So, 100. so tell me about when you made that sort of like choice that, or that had that initial thought that you were going to go into music as a career choice. Um, I have to say, so when I was like a freshman in high school, I was actually still pretty heavily into sports, but I had, I had always like been pretty good at trumpet in like elementary, middle school. Um, but I had a really influential band director, Ken Melton, shout out, that um, really pushed me and drove me to like get better. And then once my knees kind of gave out, I was like, all right, so what do I do now? And my band director, Mel, basically kind of leveraged some things and it was like forced me into a marching band, which I really did not want to do, but it all worked out well because um, it actually made me a lot stronger, you know, when you're out there marching around backward trying to play high notes like it forces you to really get it together and play correctly. Um, also, just like the community aspect of marching band and even like the school jazz band and the wind ensemble stuff. Um, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of those people today. Like I, I regularly talk to people I went to high school with that were also in the band even today. So I think it was, it was probably like my sophomore junior year of high school though, that when I started studying with Dennis Wasco down here at UArts, um, that I knew like, this is definitely what I want to do. Not even just like what I want to do. Like, this is the only thing I'm interested in doing. Um, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it, it comes through where, you know, I don't, I think it's some of the conversations I've had, and as you, you touched on before, I think before we got started, of talking to a, such a diverse array of different people, <laughs> creatives, artists, so on, that you, you don't hear people, it's like, yeah, I dabble with trumpet, I dabble with this. It's like, no, 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 you're, you're, you're playing regularly, you're doing stuff regularly. So, you know, if you will, could you, could you paint the picture, to use a different sort of art uh, term, terminology there, could you paint the picture of what a day in the life of you, of Daniel Wright looks like, um, you know, what today might look like, I mean, besides doing this great illustrious podcast, but what does today look like for you? Um, generally, so with what you just said, though, like, if you're trying to make the whole music thing work, dabbling is not really an option. I guess you could be one of those people that, like, are just absolutely amazing at everything. But, like, it really does take a full level of commitment to even have, like, average success, if we can call it that. Um, but, like, generally every day I try to just get up. I try to get a workout in. Um, 
and then like after the workout's done i'll generally just like hover between practice for an hour maybe play like 20 minutes of a video game practice for a little while longer back to the video game and like keep going back and forth because like you know i my 40th birthday is actually coming up and i'm realizing more and more i can't like pound my face like i used to back in college you know when you're like just hitting it for like four hours a day um that doesn't really work especially if you have a gig that night or the next day where you need to like be able to precisely play so just like learning how to be efficient mm. has been like really important to continuing to grow into these gray hairs <laughs> i mean this is why i have a shaved head because i am 38 and uh so you said four i was like I was like, no. <laughs> and yeah. I just shaved them today. <laughs> I mean, to I don't have any. Chagrin. <laughs> I don't have any. It's just, <laughs> it's just, you. It's just I, I know I had an interview with someone and she was like, uh, your face looks really young till you get up here and your hairline starts to go backwards. I was like, wow, this is spicier than I was hoping. Yeah. No, listen, once this, this second, I, I'm definitely starting to lose a little bit myself, but once it's time to give it up, it's gone. Like, I, I'm not fighting it. I'm not going to fight it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my partner, she, she was Funny, she was just like, I see you plucking those eyebrow hairs again. I was like, Look, I was like, It's a mutation, it's not great. She was like, Just walk into the club, bro. <laughs> and, and going back to it, I think, yes, I think being recognizing whatever the creative pursuit is, recognizing how to be efficient, how to be optimal with your time while being able to progress, like. You know, there are some things in terms of you touched on earlier, like sort of like bad technique, if you will. I'm sure there is instances where I should probably be putting gaps in between these interviews. Uh -huh. And you saw me leave it out with the previous interview <laughs> before we came in here. I was like, all right, you ready? <laughs> and I'm sure that there, there's something in that. And there is sort of this, this burnout, this sort of flex, this, this flip. But as you, you dive in it and do more and are more familiar with what your craft is as you're, let's say, a week from now, a week from then, as to like this is how I'm going to go about it. Yeah, and I I love and I definitely got to commend you and compliment you on just having sort of the this is the work loop, this is the fun loop. Absolutely, I, without the fun loop, like what is the work loop even for? Like I love I love playing. I don't I can't say that I love practicing, <laughs> but like that's how I get to play. That's yeah. why people ask me to play because I'm ready. You know, mm -hmm. and if you're not ready, somebody else is, you know, <laughs> I, I, I found like conversations I've had with folks in, in film to be very informational in that sort of sense of how do people get cast? It's like they show up, they're available, they're, they're on time. You, you know, some people, obviously you connect with some people, but those are some of the main traits of like, are you good? You Absolutely. know, like, but are you around and it's like, are you available? Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been playing with this idea of sort of this this body of work like i can slice it any way you want it you know what i mean where it's almost like well you haven't done any musicians well here's a whole month of jazz musicians what you got? <laughs> well you haven't done any of this well here's a whole month of that like what do you what do you need and it's being able to diversify and continually find what i'm doing interesting and it kind of helps further my development we were joking a little bit earlier about what jazz word comes out i wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with you if i didn't have that conversation already yeah, yeah <laughs> or you've yeah. been thinking about it in that space so for you what has been integral to you continually developing as a musician and as a creative um i think that the main i'll try to answer it this way the main thing i focus on is 
trying to be as diverse as possible. Like, it's very hard to make this industry work if you're like just a jazz musician alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably consider myself, let's call it a commercial, a commercial musician with a jazz like that leans towards jazz. Um, there's commercial musicians who like lean classical. Um, there's like strict jazz musicians, but I mean, how many of those guys are out there that are like fully funding their life just by playing changes every day? Like that's not easy to do and bravo to them for doing it. That has not been my situation. Um, I definitely find myself doing a lot of horn section work and like stuff like that, like playing like Neo Soul, uh, theater, cover bands, uh, the Philly Pops, not that they exist anymore, who knows. Um, so, but I, I just trying to be as diverse and like trying to be able to execute different styles is I think one of the most important parts of the process. Yeah. I don't even know if that answers your question, but <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's a really good answer. Cause it, and it makes me think of this. I, I play with this other idea that I think a lot of times we are, you know, an amalgamation of our influences, all of these things, whether it be the media, whether it be the things that we're exposed to. And I, and I said this earlier today, I think we bring them in and then we're serving as like the funnel and how we ever, how we put it out there, whether it be through, maybe how one plays or one's approach to music or one's approach to creativity, I think we're definitely that or have you, those those different influences. So having this sort of diverse palette, if you will, yeah. of how you go about cre- um, creating, how you go about doing what you do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's important. For sure. So having like a really extensive background performing in this area in the greater philadelphia area uh could you could you tell us about the scene here like what is the the scene here because i mean i've i've heard from some people man this is the scene i want to hear from i want to hear what your take is on the jazz scene the music scene and in general here the creative scene you know from your vantage point what is what's the scene here in philly so a lot of times it's hard to answer questions like this because if you're working you don't actually get to see as much of the scene as you would like to. But I think I can give you somewhat of a truncated I appreciate of this. Um, so here's what I do if I'm like, say, off on a Friday night and I want to see music. If I desperately want to see some classical music, I can go to the Kimmel Center uh, or I can go to the Academy of Music. If I want to see where most of my friends are hanging out, like the Neo Soul guys, like generally... Time is where it's at. I, I don't know if Heritage is still doing stuff, but Time is definitely a good spot where you can hear a good, a great band where like a lot of the guys that are like on the road with like Adele and John Legend, uh, using them specifically because those guys are Philly guys. Um, they are playing at Time, you know, when they're not on the road. Um, and then Chris's Cafe is also a good spot um, if you're like trying to go see more like straight ahead jazz or stuff like that. Um, and they're right across the street, right across Broad Street from each other. So it makes it easy to just walk down if you want to go check out a different spot. And generally, both spots, you know, if you bring a horn out by the third set, they're trying to get other people to come up because people get tired. <laughs> 
I like that. I like that. Just like, yeah, you, got your, you got your thing on, you got the, you got the horn with you. you. Got it? <laughs> that is the first question always when musicians see other musicians. Did you bring it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's almost, maybe it's because of the timing. It's almost like the, the <laughs> so ridiculous. It's almost the John Wick thing. It's like, you work? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I got to see that movie, actually. No, you, you should definitely use that. Have the common approach. Like, you working? <laughs> Just look someone dead in the face. Um, we, we don't do that with podcasters. We're so like, oh my god, I don't know if this is gonna be good. I don't know if this interview is gonna be good at all. <laughs> that's that's literally what what the uh, inner musings of a podcaster is. Um, so you've played at a couple of the venues you mentioned: the Academy of Music, um, the the Forest Theater, and the Kimmel Center. Um, could you set the stage of like? your first like performance like in that capacity of like i'm out here i'm in the scene i'm I'm a professional i got some things under my belt like that that moment because you may have the official like let's say this is my first performance we're like no no, this is actually my first performance yeah and if that doesn't work for you that doesn't tickle your fancy something that was more memorable that happened to me recently well the first thing that got me back into like the scene here i would say it's probably going back to about 2011. No, nah, probably a little, probably like 2009. So even though I'm from here, I, I went to school in Rochester. I went to Eastman, and getting back in the scene was pretty difficult. Mm. Um, I, I immediately I managed to rejoin the cover band I was in. Don't call me Francis at the time, but it wasn't until I got a call to play. I want to say it was Ain't Misbehaving at the Prince Theater. Um, that I managed to like worm my way into the commercial circuit around here, and that led to like you know the like you mentioned the Academy of Music. That was that was actually the first one of the Color Purple when it came around, which was a that that was one of the moments where I knew I wanted to actually like legitimately do the theater thing too. Um, but yeah, those those were the two things that like kind of kicked everything off in the trajectory that I have managed to take. <clears throat> So, what 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 are you what are you aiming for, right? Let's say. Oof. <laughs> you already know it's gonna go wild, right? <laughs> it's it's. I'll I'll because you already know where it's going. So I'm gonna give you give you time to like to think it. I'll I'll pad by saying this. Like when I'm doing an interview, I'm shooting for sort of that response. You know, I've never been asked that or what people use as the sort of like padding move of that's a very interesting question. <laughs> I was like, you don't have an answer yet. You don't, you don't have anything on top of your dome. And I, and I find that when, and this, this is so weird. Like, I like to improvise in a sense of like for maybe 10 years or, or longer at this point, I did a podcast where I'd have like some sort of structure of, I know that I'm going to play at this time. There's a certain degree of, oh, I know I'm going to record play. What am I doing? I know I'm going to record at this time. There is some contrivance that's mm-hmm. there. We know that we're doing it. We know that these may be the topics. Sure. But trying to take a story and try to make something funny out of it or trying to make something interesting out of it from an observation, yeah. there's a fair amount of improvisation that goes into that. Sure. So. I try to aim for some of those things in this. So if I'm doing an interview and I feel like the answers are a little stilted or whatever, I'm like, all right. Yeah, when's the last time you ate? And it was like, oh, well, let's take the normal sort of. And I've had some people like, why are you asking, you know, musicians about this? Why are you asking artists about this? Because they're people. Absolutely. So I want to hear more about not just, hey, you know, I'm talking to you because you do this. And I'm talking because you're a person and yeah. it happens to do this. No, that's good. So 
when you have sort of that that aim, what are you what are you aiming for when you're performing, when you're out there, um, whether it be what you're teaching, because that's going to be another question that's coming up like in a in a moment. But what are you aiming for in any of the things that you're doing? What is that sort of hallmark of you know a Daniel Wright performance? What what is what does that look like for you? What are you aiming for? I can give you the micro and macro for that. Okay. So when I'm performing. This is going to sound really dark. While I'm performing, what I'm aiming for is to, when I'm done, to still, to be happy (laughs) with that performance, when it really comes down to it. And, you know, because, like, a lot of my roles as a tournament player is, like, hired gun stuff, where I'm, like, you know, I'm trying to play for other people. So I am aiming for perfection every single time. And I'm generally kind of mad if I didn't at least come close, because, like, actual perfection is impossible. But, you know, you want it to, you want to feel good at the end of it. The the macro is I'm aiming to make enough money playing the stuff that I mostly like and use that to fund being able to play the stuff that I really love to do because so few of us get to actually fund our lives do playing the exact thing that you know that you want to be playing you know all of us would love to just be like yeah i got my quartet and you know we just roll around playing place to place and that's how i make my living but that's not necessarily reality as a musician (laughs) that's that's a very honest answer it's the and 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 i I agree with it as well where when i'm doing this like last year there were some paid things ghost podcast work that came (laughs) up or even when they joke about certain people who are making films it's like you're better than this. Eh, you know, one for them, one for me. You know, that's that's how it goes sometimes because it is, for better or for worse, there's capitalism sitting there. We want, you know, I find, and, and, and I'll have maybe ask for your take on this, I find that, you know, when you go outside of this country, there are other countries that kind of treat artists in a different way, that it may be more funding, more access, more sort of, oh, no, no, these these people are doing great stuff. Yeah, yeah, we should support them. Yeah. I've looked at the Netherlands and Germany real hard a couple times because <laughs> they definitely fund their arts in a way that they do not do here and, <laughs> and you, won't do. And, and I and I start, you know, trying not to be because on because the, there is a dark dark side to art. There is a that should be a new podcast, but <laughs> there there is a sort of when I because I read this book about death of the artist uh-huh. and they kind of talk about some of that stuff. It's like oh, you start getting into this conversation around. Um, whether you're pushing out um, art or content, mm. because mm. you know content can be every hour or an hour, you know. So looking at news in that same way, right? True story. But mm. when you're putting out art, this it can't be instantaneous. The you art know? versus content thing is a very real battle um, that I think everybody, you know, that's doing this type of stuff, whether it be creative or performative, um, struggle with. You know, except the lucky few, yeah. you know. <clears throat> yeah, because I, I think when the performance piece comes in, it's like, no, that's when the documentarian should be there. I, I'm sorry. Actually, I shouldn't even say lucky few. <laughs> Please. The, the extremely talented few that have managed to get themselves there. <laughs> you, you're, you're an artist right there. I like that. I like that. I like the way you did that. So uh, talk, tell me a little bit about perf- performance in this way. I want to ask about, like, sort of like the audience component. Um, I generally, you're my audience right now. So, you know, this is um, a non-visual medium. So if I ask a stupid question, I'm looking at you like, 
what you think, bro? <laughs> but, but if I ask a good question, I'm also like, what you think, bro? I'm like kind of getting that sort of feedback. So, you know, as, as, as you know, you perform or, you know, is, is there sort of any feedback that you're kind of looking for, you know, and being in that spot, you know, where if you're in front of people, there is a component of it. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, we're clapping or we're whistling or whatever the thing is that people are in like, hell yeah. Like you get that nod. What are you looking for that, you know, that that moment when you're performing? Is is there something that you're like, hell yeah, that, that felt really good? Or what do you get out of the audience? So the audience is definitely fuel. And I guess this is more this might be more the co- content side than the audi- than the artist side. Sure. But the, the audience definitely does fuel a performance. Um I would say, and it might just be as a trumpet player, like I would imagine a lot of classical musicians probably don't have as easy of a time figuring out the audience because like there's a lot of quietness, like waiting till the very end of a, of a, I'm going to say peace, let's say concerto, I don't know, uh, where like it's not till the very end that the audience is like, yeah, that was great, that was great. Whereas like, you know, if I'm in a big band, I'm playing lead, you know, if I'm if I'm hitting those high notes and the trumpet section is right there with me, the audience is losing their mind while it's happening. So, you know, and that that fuels you, you get that adrenaline rush, which helps make you push even further. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same thing if you're up there taking a solo, Um, you know. I've very rarely seen an audience turn on a guy that's not quite <laughs> hacking it, but um, you definitely get feedback if you are crushing it, or even moderately okay. Like audiences are generally pretty cool um, on the commercial side. I would say it. It definitely changes when you get to like higher level, like commercial gigs, mm-hmm. where you know if you're behind an. an if you're behind an artist, like an artist, artist, yeah. like you're just like okay, execution, 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 and like that's the whole, yeah. <laughs> that's the whole story. You like you're not an artist when you're behind like an artist. You are. You said the hired gun. Then. Yeah, you're the hired gun. <laughs> it's like now back me up, no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I usually I like to go down to New York, and thank you for that. I like to go down to um, to New Orleans. Um, for my I'm birthday. actually going there this month. I am as well. Hey, how about that? Uh, well, you know, might be a little festival going on. Who knows? But um, it, oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I'm not going down for the festival. I wish I were, but that's not. <laughs> but it's it, it's funny. I remember it, it was one year. I usually got on for my birthday in January. This is my second time this year going down, and um, I was in a club, but he had like a second line and all of this stuff going. Nice. And literally, I turned like I think 31 in the club. <laughs> so I, the guy was like, "Oh, happy birthday!" And I was like, "This is this is great." So. <laughs> I am watching it, and I think it's um, the two trombone guys. They're like going back and forth. I was like, "All right, all right." There's yeah. a little little conflict on here. I'm, like, this is, I'm enjoying because I, I love being petty. That's where my Capricorn side comes. I was like, "Yeah, more, more." Who who are the like? I guess maybe instrument side, or maybe their role within a performance. That just from your take, we're not shading anybody here. Who are the show offs? Who who are the who Ooh. are the people? <laughs> oh man, you. I know. I know. Uh, you can say what it rhymes with, so technically I said it, you know? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, nobody is doing anything wrong. But, I mean, there there definitely are... There's there's definitely a line between showmanship and musicianship, mm. you know? Um, I mean, I, I've made a lot of my income over the years playing in, in cover bands. So, like, a decent amount of that is showmanship. Like, that audience doesn't give a shit 
Can I say shit? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> the audience does not give a shit sometimes whether you're playing well or not. They just care if you're up there smiling and doing your two-step, um, which can be a little bit frustrating, mm-hmm. if I'm being very honest. Um, and if I'm being honest, I would say, and I get to generalize, so that helps. Yeah, yeah. The vast majority of R&B that's out there, mm. um, I shouldn't even just say single R&B. Uh, the vast majority of like commercial music where you have like a singer in the front, blah 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 yeah. blah. Um, it's mostly showmanship. I mean, there are so few actual like stand out. Like, wow, this person is just an amazing singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that world now, in my opinion, that it's it can be a little bit difficult, but you know. We also have like our Adele's, who's an amazing singer, you know, um, who's managed to break through in a world where, mm-hmm. you know, Britney Spears was like still the highest selling um, female singer ever. I think that's true as far as album sales, which is crazy to me. Don't come at me, Britney people. Seriously. <laughs> Don't leave Britney alone. <laughs> she, but she's an amazing entertainer. She's an amazing entertainer. But like, stop acting like she has an amazing voice. Well, but, but that's one of the things, though. Like, you know, it, it's, it's, on what one, it's what one is looking for. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I'm I, I'll say this. One of the things I really get off on is when I see someone who is a multi-instrumentalist, those are the people I look look at like, hell yeah. Like, you're the person I'm looking at. Sure. And I see someone that does like this. It's like, okay, you do that really well. You're, And I do like a bit of showmanship. I like when someone like, this is, again, this is a ridiculous visual. I like when someone kicks a leg up on the piano and is just playing like, <laughs> you know, there's something that's, that's fire about that. It's, it's, it's sort of like the time and, and what you're looking for. But, you know, it's this, like, what is it? Uh, neoclassical metal that I got into. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was this like one musician that people hate, but he's like a virtuoso and he, he was, you know, speaking, he was like, I don't play this guitar. He's like, I play it like a violin actually, because I was trained in violin. Huh. And he's just going down the whole thing and I'm looking at old videos and I go down a rabbit hole. He's playing with like like it was some like Japanese orchestra. And I was like, there is a metal guitarist playing with his Japanese orchestra. Yeah. I was like, he has to be a good musician, musician then. For sure. And like, you know, and again, like there's nothing wrong with being an entertainer. If people love it, good on you. Like for real, like absolutely. Um, here's what I'll throw back at you though. As far as like playing with an orchestra, you had, this is a very old recording. There's a recording of Metallica playing with the San Francisco symphony. Yeah. Yeah. And like that shit is unreal. Unreal how amazing that was. And like, that's an example where I'm like, so obviously those metal guys all have like wild showmanship, but like those are some really good musicians up there too. Like metal drummers and bass players are always playing some wild yes. things that they don't get credit for because you have your singer up there like, you know, and that's what it's all about. <laughs> but you know, those, those musicians are serious. A lot of those musicians are actual like jazz majors in college and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, but ended up, you know, doing their passion project because playing changes doesn't necessarily pay the bills. <laughs> uh, I'll say, say this before I get to my last question. Um, I, I went to this uh, record store and this is running bit that uh, me and my partner have. Uh, so she will pick out, she, she will take something that I've referenced that I picked out and then take credit for it mm-hmm. or not correct someone for giving a credit. So <laughs> and this is the genesis of it where 
we were in there and I um I was really on this like Charles Mingus train, right? And because I was like, yeah, I have similar temperament. And she was like, do you want to really sign on it? I was like, yes, absolutely I do. I was like, you see that cover of uh, Black Saint and the Lady? It's not too far off. And and so I ended up, it was some record that we were getting and um and I passed it to her. She was like, no, I'll buy this for you. So we go up there and it's like black punk guy with all the stuff. He, well, he's a white guy, but he's wearing all the black stuff. Okay. <laughs> and, and, he, and he looks at her, then looks at me, and he's like, it's a good album. And it was just so unexpected. Yeah. I was like, I'm waiting for you to say, yeah, man, ministry, man, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, love Mangus. And I was yeah. like, wow. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like, when you start getting to the point where, like, like real music heads mm-hmm. can look any kind of way, and, like, even... Um, my girlfriend, when we first met, right, I can't remember. So we met online. Don't shame me. Um, but, you know, I saw her. She, the artist she had in her profile that she was listening to, like currently listening to, was just like, what? Uh, I think I think one of them was this band, Hiatus Coyote. It's an amazing Australian band. Please check them out. Um, and I was just like, wow, that's crazy. I would have never guessed yeah. that this person would be listening to this music. But, uh, yeah. Seems to have worked out. <laughs> I mean, I, like, you know, when people, like, again, music is, when people have, like, something, like, I, I think that's a love language, if I'm being Absolutely. honest. Yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, like, me and, me and my partner, there's a, you know, age difference there, and we kind of connect on things that you wouldn't think. Like, she's 12 years older than me, and she'll reference some, like, yeah, you remember this band from when we were growing up? I was like, we're not the same age yeah. at all, actually. <laughs> and then, but I'm sure I was like, she loves that. <laughs> but then I'm like, but I do know the band now. <laughs> and, um, it's then timeless. I'm like, yeah, and... You know, one of the coolest things she ever did, again, music and multi-instrumentalist to bring it all home. Um, I really like Toro Iwa. And she got tickets to, it was like a performance at 930 Club. He was debuting the album that will be coming out in um, January. And it actually came out on my birthday, that New Orleans trip. So that's yeah. what I got, like, as, here, here's your birthday present, Roth and Toro. Like, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and it was just such a thing. And, and, you know, just feeling like having that sort of experience and that being in around it's, this goes back to one of the things you touched on earlier sort of the fuel component about mm-hmm. an audience it, it felt this is gonna sound ridiculous and i rarely say this it almost felt like a religious experience it's like an energy in there the music is going and people have their feelings and it's just this is amazing yeah i mean i you know i i think that the black church does a lot of that there's a lot that's a big component about Keeping people in seats, like the music is definitely a big part of the, I'm going to get in trouble for that, but that's okay. Uh, but the, it's true. The music is a big part of the experience and I, it does create a spiritual experience, uh, for lack of better words. Yeah. Um, I, I've known straight up atheists <laughs> that will be brought to tears uh, listening to gospel music. Yeah. So like, it's real. It's definitely real. It's a real thing. So this is the last question. Um, last real question. I got those rapid fire ones for you. Uh, what would you say, and this is so such a challenge, it's biggest is, but what would you say has been an important lesson that you've learned, like like starting out um, as a musician, like that you would uh, impart upon like the you know students that you're working with? Um, I think that the most important factor is position yourself and be able to pivot whenever it's necessary um this this whole field is rocky to say the best or to say the least 
anyway, it's it's, it's, it's it's somewhat of a rocky thing. So like, you have to be prepared to like do anything at a moment's notice because you never know who's going to call you. Uh, you never know that when the gig you have is going to disappear. So it's just important to really focus and like have your system. Mm-hmm of whether it be practicing or making sure your brain's right, making sure your body's right, to just roll with the punches because those punches are coming. That's great. That's well said. So in these final moments here, I want to hit you with these rapid fire questions. Um, oh, boy. Can't wait. I'm going to save the most trolly one for last. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you were not a musician, what would you be? If I were not a musician, uh, video game designer. Oh, yeah. it's a great answer. Um this both of these words in here have a U in it because I wrote it Britishy. Uh, what is your favorite color combination? Purple and black. Yeah, go Ravens. No, what? <laughs> now this is the trolling one. Okay. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You don't. You go to the Kimmel Center instead. Thank you. <laughs> you answered even more trolling than I did. So thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's great. Um, so, one, thank you for being on this podcast. This has been a treat. Absolutely. Um, great way to wrap up a Friday. <laughs> and um, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, your work, social media, website, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Generally, you can check me out at, at Philly Musician on all platforms. Um, or Daniel Wright Music, if you uh, use Google, I guess. Yeah, Daniel Wright Music, or like I said, Philly Musician on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the good stuff. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Daniel Wright for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture and, and jazz. And around your neck of the woods, you've just got to look for it. 